0: Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the microphone with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary.
1: Welcome to What's Next, the Cornet Global Real Estate Podcast. My name is David Asker, and I am here with my co-host, Teresa Broderick. We are from EY Corporate Real Estate Consulting Practice, where we assist occupiers of real estate plan and use their space more effectively. Over this year, Teresa and I will bring you a series of podcasts discussing the challenges that are facing occupiers today.
2: That's right, David. Over this year, we will address transaction services, the evolving corporate real estate team, data for decisions. You know, But today, our focus is on the first EY Future Workplace Index. We have two guests with us, Francisco Acoba and Mark Brennis. Welcome. Thanks. Great. Welcome.
0: Greetings. Thanks for having us.
1: Great. Hey, Francisco and Mark, could you each take a minute to introduce yourselves? Let's start with
0: Francisco. Sure. Thanks, David. Uh, So hi, everyone. Francisco Acoba, principal here at EY within the the corporate real estate practice. I co-lead that practice for the Americas uh, and have more than 24 years of global experience providing management consulting services to Fortune 500 companies and the world's largest public sector entities all across the corporate real estate spectrum.
3: Yeah, and I'm Mark Rindis. I lead the entire real estate business for EY. It uh, our sector is uh, consists of all of the real estate, hospitality, and construction uh, subsectors that that live within the uh, the overall umbrella. Got about fifteen thousand uh, people that are supporting uh, this part uh, part of our industry, and with more than six thousand clients.
2: Great, thanks, Francisco and Mark. Well, I'll give a quick overview. Uh, and introduce our EY Future Workplace Index. So it was an extensive study that analyzed responses from C-suite leaders at 501 companies across industry sectors, ranging from 250 employees to more than 25,000 employees. The response data was parsed by sector, size, work function, and workplace management since March 2020. Mark, anything you want to add before we get into the findings? What we
3: found is most important is to have a very broad reach. As we've gone through the pandemic and this issue has come up, we've seen headlines that have come up of XYZ company has stated that this is going to be their policy and another company might state a policy completely different and others somewhere in between. And the reality is, is that the answer for Every sector and every organization, big and small, tends to be nuanced, and the solutions are bespoke really in nature in what's the right fit for an organization. And so, in this regard, we reached out, got all sectors present and all uh, companies, big and small, and we think the findings show and demonstrate that it is bespoke solutions and there's different answers for depending on the company.
2: Great, awesome. So I'm gonna preview the three key findings and then we'll walk through each one in more detail. First, we have the hybrid workplace is the clear business model for the future. Second, there is no one size fits all hybrid framework solution. And third, the three critical areas in play are real estate or workplace investment, technology and people strategies. Okay, let's dig into each of these findings in more detail. David, why don't you start us off?
1: Thanks, Teresa. Let's talk about that first finding, the future is hybrid. I think we can all see in our own personal circumstances that when it comes to going back into the office, we're looking at it from a hybrid format. We might be in the office one to three days a week. This was also discussed in the study where it indicated that employees are slowly migrating back, but there is no return to a normal situation. And 87% of the companies said that the pandemic has permanently changed the role of the physical office for their location. I think also, too, more importantly, 75% of the respondents said that the role of the office will be completely changed in the foreseeable future. And in many cases, there will not be a central office that people will go into on a daily basis. Now, these are some really big shifts. But the first question that I think we have for our two guests is, what are some of the key considerations in forming organizations' strategy as they think about their future workplace? Francisco, why don't we start with
0: you? Sure, David. Thanks. As we've been discussing with clients throughout the pandemic, we've certainly formed lots of perspectives and opinions, gathered lots of insights and anecdotal data. What was really nice about this survey and this research effort was going to give us some good concrete data as to where the industry and where organizations are today as we begin to hopefully soon emerge from the deeper parts of the pandemic. At a macro level, the EY Future Workplace Index indicates that companies do expect about 35% of their workforce to be full-time in the office post-pandemic. Now, that compares to about 45% pre-pandemic. And it certainly there's a mix of how the rest of the employee occupant population is using the office. What's interesting to think about those statistics is that 45% pre pandemic, we all know that most corporate organizations were displaying anywhere from 40 to 60% vacancy on any given day. People, even if they're not full time in the office, may be traveling, they may be in meetings with clients elsewhere throughout the city in that particular day, meeting with folks. So the numbers were actually in reality even further depressed. The impact of that certainly is going to be something significant that we're going to have to watch and monitor going forward. To David's point, hybrid is here to stay, and organizations are still really trying to figure out how do they put the right set of policies, and protocols together to form their perspective on hybrid strategy going forward. What we do know is that employees do not want to work in an ambiguous environment. They're looking for some guidance here around the protocols and so forth from their talent organizations, and it's something that companies really need to think about. 40% of respondents, according to the survey, have already taken steps to establish some sort of hybrid work plan. But that leaves 60% or more who haven't. Many have just said, well, we're going to do three days a week in the office, two days a week at home. We would probably suggest that that's not really a plan. That's some initial guidance. But to put a plan together, it takes a lot more. You really need the right governance, the right support from leadership, details from the talent or HR organization, buy in from managers, and really, of course, most importantly, understand the needs and interests and expectations of the workforce so you can mesh that all together into a cohesive strategy.
2: Yeah, I mean, we know that employee expectations really have changed and there is a huge fight for talent. That's really driving a lot of organizations to consider going in a direction to provide more flexibility and to create a hybrid program like you were describing. What are some of the other drivers or benefits of a hybrid work model? I don't know, Mark, you want to jump in here?
3: The point that you made or are suggesting is this is a transformational change in the way we work. It was one thing during the pandemic when in many jurisdictions, you didn't really have a choice. This was what you had to do to continue to operate your business. But now that we've had a couple of years to do it, employees in every organization have strong feelings about it. And a lot of those strong feelings is is, is there's things about you're working remotely that were viewed very advantageous. And conversely, there were things that, you know, Zoom fatigue and other things like that. But I think the key is, is that how do you take the best of what a hybrid work environment is and those productivity gains and put it in a model that's going to be best for the organization? It's interesting. You look at the statistics and the workplace index that we put together. of respondents said their productivity increased. That's a pretty consistent response. And I think even higher employee satisfaction. 70 to 85% said that their personal well being or the culture of the organization overall improved. Those are the positive things. Now, ultimately, what we're trying to do in the Workplace Index is find what the scope of the organization is and how to marry up those operating models. To be able to take advantage of those productivity gains and culture gains that come from being able to have a flexible work schedule.
2: Definitely. We've talked a lot already about having a clear plan for the hybrid workplace, and that's actually the second key finding, so let's dig into that a little bit more. Our clients are often interested to learn how they compare to their peers or how others in the market are solving for a similar challenge. So as companies look to create hybrid models, can they look to their peers? Or how universally applicable are these solutions? I think some of your responses so far have already indicated that that's not the case, that it's not a very universal solution here. So, Francisco, could you expand on that?
0: Sure, Teresa. The idea of looking to your peers and looking to other companies and seeing what they're doing, what's working well, what's not, I think it's a natural tendency for organizations. And in many cases, they can certainly glean some important points of input and feedback however when you think about the concept of the hybrid work model and the hybrid workplace a lot of these design components and especially the details and the nuances are going to be fairly specific to an organization there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to that well you need to think about what's your approach going to be to how often employees need to be in the office why do they need to be in the office? Are there particular meetings or get togethers, events, trainings, other things that will drive that in person collaboration and discussion? Do you have the right health protocols in place? Are you thinking about the right types of technology for collaboration or to even just simplify and streamline the process to access physical office spaces, whether you're an employee? And you're looking for a touchless environment or you're a visitor and you're looking for a very streamlined way to quickly log in and find the people you're meeting with and and go on with your event. All of these need to be considered and they really do pull together to form the basis of that bespoke model for an organization. The components are going to be consistent or things you have to think about will be consistent, but how you put them together for your company, that's where it becomes specific to your culture. To your organization.
1: You know, when I was looking through the study, there was a term in there that I thought was great. It's called happy hybrids. As I was looking at and thinking about it, it came to my mind that which industries are most likely to maintain a hybrid model? and What are the factors that impact success to make that happen? Mark, could you give us a few ideas on that?
3: Let me just start by saying that term is a trademark, the happy hybrids. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. We're thrilled in this being our kind of inaugural index of where we said, guy, you know, we we're really going to dive into a sector level. But then when we got information together, like even in, as an example, in in insurance companies, insurance companies have been very effective. And probably, you know, if you look at some of the big announcements of aggressive moves into a hybrid work model, insurance companies have have been probably out in front for the most part. But even within that group, it isn't necessarily uniform. And part of it is, is when you dive into even within a big, broad category like insurance, there even are differences within that that talked about whether you're in different parts of the insurance business might yield itself to different outcomes. But the thing we found out mostly was, is there were examples of sectors that were positive and overall ultimately mapped what worked most effectively and what were able to do a significant amount of business in a hybrid capacity. And those that scored high in both of those categories, we characterized as the hybrid hybrids, meaning it really works for them and is really effective for the organization. So we saw that in professional services, as you can imagine, wealth and asset management, technology, some of the banking and retail and health. These all were, generally speaking, the sectors that were able to really achieve a good hybrid work model and be able to leverage remote work in a very effective way for their organization. We found others at the other end of the spectrum that weren't surprising, metals and mining and oil and gas and things like that, where maybe just the sheer nature of the work didn't lend itself to be able to really be as effective as they'd like, or they got the most out of it. And that ultimately is the big picture. It ultimately comes down to individuals, how they like to work and the individual job functions and how those job functions are, and really trying to map. How can you ultimately optimize it by breaking down some of the components of the individuals and the divisions and the operating divisions of an organization? That's ultimately how you kind of figure out and piece together and and hopefully achieve that happy hybrid.
1: Well, that's great. Thanks for that. You know, in our discussion here today, I think it's really pretty clear that each organization has its own culture. People work differently. And so there's really no standard hybrid workplace plan that you can put in place. But new work standards are evolving in real time. Pre-pandemic, we always wanted to take a look at combining how do we change physical space, technology, uh, and people strategies in order to make our workplace more efficient and effective. Can you highlight though, now as we move forward in our post-pandemic workplace, what we're considering as far as the shifts in each one of these categories? Mark, why don't we
3: start with you? It's interesting. If you think about how tenants, let's let start with the concept of a large tenants, they'd make assessments of their physical space, they'd make decisions based on those assessments, and ultimately, the space would get used in the capacity that they had. And to some extent, there were inefficiencies or they miscalculated. Maybe they'd have situations where they didn't have enough space. But oftentimes, for the most part, the calculation was is that they had too much space. And I think a lot of organizations didn't necessarily see that, didn't see the fact that when you walk the halls of their floor plate, that they would see lots of empty desks and really attribute a lot of money and costs associated with that the pandemic has changed, we see much more than we did before. And quite frankly, we now have tools and technology to see better and understand that. And what's happening now as a sector is is tenants are looking at it, but also landlords are trying to respond to that. Landlords are trying to figure out, can we offer flex models? What it's ultimately doing is it's the responsibility, I suppose, was mostly on the tenant side to make the best estimate of what they needed. But now that pendulum is swinging where landlords now need to look at what degree of flexibility can they ultimately offer tenants. And those landlords that can provide a lots of flexible footprint are probably the ones that are going to be most successful. We're really now kind of coming at it from both ends of the spectrum on how do we ultimately optimize how we're using on space. But we know one thing for sure, 84% of companies are adjusting their plans for how they plan to ultimately use office space in the future. So I think everybody as an industry are looking at it. And even to that extent, about half companies are recognizing that the use of how office is being used and what the purpose of the office is and are redesigning their floor plates and exactly what they need to put in their office space to optimize how their employees work together and collaborate. That's really, those two statistics, I think, in and of themselves show how dramatic a
0: change is taking place.
1: Francisco, did you want to add something for
0: technology? Sure. So as organizations are thinking about how they are reconsidering the use of space and what the workplace is going to look like, at the same time, yeah, they need to think about the technology. And this is an area where, based on the survey findings and and feedback, most organizations indicate that they are looking to invest more heavily in technology going forward, but maybe in new and different ways. So uh, as I think about the virtual workplace and what that means to leadership and executives, to staff on the floor, to clients or vendors as they come into your office environment for collaboration across all those different parties, networking across different parts of your company, Technology needs to support all these different types of endeavors. The feedback from the survey indicates that over 80% of organizations believe that digital tools to facilitate work are going to change either moderately or significantly in the near future. And as we mentioned, a lot of organizations are thinking about investing in technology. That's not just collaboration technology. But that's also things like workplace productivity tools and then also some of the technologies to maybe monitor and understand how the workplace is being used from a utilization perspective, from a density perspective, and so forth. At the same time, we are seeing a lot of organizations heighten their push towards cloud-based solutions so that they don't have to rely on the older on-prem systems and These can be managed very effectively in a virtual manner, as a lot of IT organizations have been operating for the past two years. Technology is definitely going to evolve, and we think that it's going to do so quite rapidly in the coming years.
1: Great. And and finally, Mark, what should we be thinking about as far as it relates to people strategies going forward?
3: The people are the, the most important part of any organization, and it's absolutely critical to get that right. And I think we highlighted all throughout this call there are so many productivity and advantages to be gained. But I I implore anyone listening to this to do a test. Anytime you're at a client or at another company, walk up and down the hall. Every time I go into the office, I go floor to floor. I walk up and down the floor and I look to see what people are doing. Are they on Teams calls? Are they collaborating? Are they in offices? We all, for a couple of years, have had the experience of seeing where everybody is. Sometimes they have the backgrounds and you pretty much know, you know, with those backgrounds where they are, they're probably at home. But ultimately, if we're redefining the workplace, it has to be a good experience for employees. It has to, when you go into the office, it really has to deliver on the experience that we expect from dynamic engagement, collaboration, meeting peers, meeting people you don't know before, having good training opportunities. I mean, that ultimately is the promise of good, effective hybrid work plan. And about half of the employees are kind of offering a team-based plan. And what that is, is it's basically saying we need to have a strategy. Oftentimes it can be as simple as come in these X number of days, but something that aligns and makes certain that You're not having kind of a really disconnected experience where some are here and some are there. There's really that collaboration that we seek to achieve. That's incredibly important to come up with an effective plan. And I think our index starts to point to how to do that. The second thing is, you know, a lot of employees are offering fees, compensation, paying for certain things to incentivize individuals, whether to come into work or providing them productivity tools so that the experience of when people dial in and things like that, or the technology works and, and sync and is as effective as it can be. But These are all the details that go into a comprehensive work plan. It's, it's incredibly important that that gets right and that the experience of remote and the experience of in office both optimize the potential of each setting.
2: Great, this has been such a great conversation. And you know, it's clear that so much is changing and that companies are really looking to solve for a new type of workplace experience. And with that comes all these new challenges and considerations and, and things to plan for. So great that our first EY Future Workplace Index has confirmed that the pandemic, the last two years has really changed it and to have some data around what that looks like. So we're gonna recap our three key findings here before we close out. First, the hybrid workplace is the clear business model for the future. Second, there's no one-size-fits-all hybrid framework solution. And third, that the three critical areas in play are real estate or workspace investment, technology, and people strategies.
1: Mark and Francisco, any final thoughts or other things we should be aware of before we close out?
3: The only thing I would add to that is I think companies have to recognize that this is still evolving. At some extent, you say, well, you know, we've done this and we kind of know how our companies are going to organize and this is how we're going to go forward. I think this is going to continue to evolve and we're going to continue to really figure out. I think it's going to change. What's most important is this battle for talent, the objectives and needs of every single individual within your organization is different. And getting that best talent in part, will be able to come up with a model where you can kind of provide that flexibility. When nine out of 10 people think flexibility is one of the most important attributes of where they work, it's important that employers are very responsive to that and listen to that. The key closing comment I would say is, is continue to monitor and continue to be open-minded that this plan will evolve and develop over time.
1: Great. Francisco, anything?
0: Mark, you said it well. Things are going to continue to evolve. And the guidance that we're giving a lot of our clients right now is that there's lots of parts and pieces here, lots of things to consider. There are a lot of things that are still unknown. We need to figure those things out. So take the time over the next 12, 18 months to collect the data, to understand the context of your organization, and basically put the protocols, the processes, and even the technology in place to collect that data and then use that information to make decisions in the 12 to 18-month time frame when you can do so from an informed standpoint, as opposed to right now when there's, again, lots of things that are still up in the air and making expensive capital decisions right now that um, may or may not pan out effectively can be a significant risk.
1: Gentlemen, thank you so much for the insight today. If you're listening to this podcast and you'd like to see the full report, Simply go to your search engine and type in EY survey on future workplace index, and it'll take you directly to the report. We look forward to returning next quarter to discuss real estate transaction strategy in the busy mergers and acquisition market. Thanks for listening.
0: This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.